you are our best means to invite people to come uh, to, the, uh, to the Resurrection Day Easter service at the Kenai High School. So uh, if you would just commit to that, uh, we, would, we would just really appreciate it and just invite somebody to come and uh, let God just direct their hearts from there. If you want to open your Bibles to the uh, epistle of 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, we're going to kind of launch from there today. But I am uh, just amazed. You cannot come up with a, a human need of any kind, emotional, financial, spiritual, physical. You cannot come up with a human need of any kind that the answer to that need can be found in Scripture, okay? And, uh, and the, the, the only hang-up with that is, is you have to access Scripture, all right? And if you don't read the Bible, you don't know that the answer is there. And so that's why we encourage you. Now, I always say read the Bible. There's some people say, you know, I really have a difficult time reading. Hey, if you want to listen to the Bible, that's okay, all right? So we include that, you know, in, in the whole idea of getting uh, through your Bible, reading your Bible. Uh, and, and we suggest, you know, every year, or maybe I should say every time you finish, just start over and read it again. And I will guarantee you, uh, you will read things the second time and the third time and the fourth time and the fifth time that you never saw the first time. And so we, we just, it's, it's, a, it's a feast that just keeps on giving. And uh, we uh, invite you to uh, take a Bible reading guide. We have plenty of those in the little tables in the back of our sanctuary here. And uh, take one with you. Now, if you took one before and you lost it, hey, that's okay. Take another one, all right? We'll make more. And uh, so just take one with you. And the whole key to the Bible reading guide is not that it becomes this sort of taskmaster or, you know, tyranny. Uh, and you get behind and you lose hope and you're like, I'm just going to quit, you know. Uh, don't do that. You know, scratch off the little dates on the side uh, if you have to. Just read it. And then, you know, when life inevitably happens and you get interrupted in your Bible reading and you, you miss a day or two or a week or a month, uh, when you get back to it, you'll just know where to pick up and go from there, okay? And, and let me tell you what, I have, I'm just talking to people all the time who are now in their multiple times of reading Scripture. Some of them take two years. Some of them take three years. Some one person I talked to took four years, but they got through it. That's, that's the key. And uh, they, they started in the beginning, went to the end, and then, you know, I just said, yeah, so do it again, even if it takes you another four years. Um, it is better than not reading it at all. So we would just encourage you, uh, pick up a Bible reading guide and be in it. Now, I don't say this to pat myself on the back or make you think that I, you know, and all that. Uh, but I am reading my Bible through for the 41st time in a row. In, you know, 41 years ago, I, I began this. And I'm not a fast reader. I, you know, I, I read probably average. And uh, I just pick it up in the morning and I, I read, I check my little Bible reading guide off. And, uh, and there are lots of times where I get interrupted. Uh, we have company, we go on a trip or something like that. And I can't get to it every single day. But the Bible reading guide keeps me on track. 
And uh, when I get back to it, I know where to start and pick up and go. And so I'm reading my Bible for the 41st time this year. And, and let me tell you, if I can do that, you can do that. And it is, uh, it is just part of my lifestyle. And I pray that it becomes part of your lifestyle. Because you will find every answer to any need. You're having a, a marriage relationship problem? Guess where you'll find the answer? In Scripture. Hmm? You're having financial difficulties? Where will you find the answers? In Scripture. You know, if, if you need healing in your body, where are you going to find some answers? In Scripture. All we have to do is access it. All we have to do is, is find it and do what it says. And so we, we really encourage you to, uh, to do this. I want to I speak from uh, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 18 today. And uh, this, this is interesting. Now, I, I will say this, is that every answer to every human need is found in Scripture, okay? I won't say that you will like it, all right? <laughs> you may find the answer and think, oh, I, I don't, I don't want to do that. <laughs> it may challenge you, but the answer's there. So if you would do it, you will find that Scripture is always telling the truth, and it will help you. And so today we're talking about there's an interesting connection between fear and love, okay? Those two things we wouldn't put together, but, but as we read this verse, it will show us this connection between these two things, things we're afraid of. And it can be things that uh, are physical. Uh, it can be things that are uh, spiritual, of course, um, there are things that, you know, are just unknown because they're unknown to us, that we're fearful of them. And here is one of those answers that, that shows us the path to overcome our fears. And we don't have to raise hands. We don't have to take a survey today. Have you ever felt fear? We all feel fear. And how do we overcome that? Some fear is debilitating. Some fear uh, interferes with our lives, with our relationships. And because fear comes up and, and, uh, and it causes us to respond in ways that, that uh, are disruptive and cause conflict. So here it is, 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. And it says, there is no fear in love. Let me, let me just, I want this to make an impact in you. We have this on the screen today. So would you... Would you just recite this out loud with me and so you can hear yourself say this, all right? So I'll, we'll, we'll just take it easy here, but we're going to start with there is no fear in love, all right? On three, one, two, three. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. That's powerful. That is powerful. Well, right now, it's information to us. All right? This is powerful information. But when it's powerful in our lives, it is revelation. Okay? This will reveal the power of God to you personally. You will overcome fear in your life if you will apply what, what Scripture is sharing uh, with us here. You know, one of the unlikely keys to living above and beyond, and above and beyond is our, our theme this year, 
um, is the link between love and fear. As I said, it's, it, we don't often link those things, but we fear things that we do not understand, okay? And that can be anything. Sometimes we just don't understand people. Uh, have you ever made that statement? I just don't understand them. I, have you ever made that statement, right? Why, why are they saying that? Why are they doing that? I don't understand them. And, and what does it evoke in us? Well, it evokes a kind of fear. It's like, I, I avoid them because I just don't understand them. And how, how do we overcome that? Or how do we at least not be disaffected by the fear of things that we don't understand? Um, when you don't understand someone, we tend to hold back, we keep distant, and we oftentimes take offense. You know, Scripture, there's, there's an answer there is an answer in Scripture of how not to be offended. Wouldn't you like to go through life and be offense-proof? People do things intentionally against you, and you know, it just, it just glances off. You, you, you're wearing the Teflon coat of the gospel, and it just doesn't stick to you. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be a wonderful way to live? Uh, you know, and people say mean things to you, they say mean things about you, and it just doesn't matter and uh, you know it doesn't it doesn't assault your self-worth it doesn't assault your your sense of uh, security Um, you know they may say the meanest things and you know what you just you aren't you aren't affected Uh, you'll you'll find in in uh, Psalm 119 and uh, the verse escapes me at, at the moment it's like maybe it's 167 longest chapter in the Bible. But anyways, it says, great peace have they, this is King James Version, great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. The more that we love God's law, the more offense-proof we become. And loving God's law, the word of God, is not just that you have a Bible at home on the shelf somewhere. You could find it in a little bit if you just had time to look. That's what I want to talk about, loving, the, loving God's law. Loving God's law is being in it. And do, do you see the connection there? Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. There's that connection, okay? Offense comes from fear. And if we love the law of God, it casts out fear. And that's an answer in Scripture, all right? And, and Scripture is full of answers uh, if we would just access them. So if we want to fear others less, and seeking, seeking to understand them is the path. This is, what, this is the, hopefully the revelation that will come to every one of us here, Okay. If we want to not fear others, then seeking to understand them is the path we've got to walk. One of the reasons God does not reject us for all of the offensive things we do to him, think about that. Have you ever done offensive things to God? Yeah, sometimes we are mad at him. You know, he doesn't do it the way that he should have done it, right? You know, and, and it, we'd, we'd like to, you know, tell him how to answer our prayers better, because we have this idea of how they should be answered. You know, sometimes we, we do offensive things to God. Sometimes, you know, we, we're, we're angry or we're ignorant and uh, we just do things that... But why doesn't God take offense? Why isn't God offended? It's because he understands us. 
God understands us. We all have a deep need to feel understood. Wouldn't that be amazing if people just, we just understood one another deeply? That's the way, that's the way God is with us. He understands us completely. And when we're angry and when we're, you know, uh, <laughs> I, have a, I have a two-year-old granddaughter. And uh, I tell you what, I just, she's the most wonderful thing ever. But I can tell she's going to be large and in charge. <laughs> and uh, she calls me Papa, which I adore. But uh, if she wants me to, and she always has an agenda. She is not a cuddler. You don't sit on the couch and cuddle and, you know, she hugs you, although that would be wonderful, but she is not a cuddler. She has an agenda. When you walk in the door, it's like, Papa, come, come. Papa, come. <laughs> I think she's seen her, her parents call their, their dog, <laughs> and that's a kiss. So she's figured out, Papa, come. <laughs> do, do I take offense at that? No. Why? Because I understand. I understand she's two. <laughs> I understand she's two years old. And it just makes me chuckle. She can't do anything that would offend me. Even if, you know, and sometimes, you know, they, of course, you know, they come to church. And sometimes when they're church and all the strange people around, she doesn't know me. You know, it's like, ah, how are you, Brindley? And she just doesn't know who I am. Does that offend me? It does not. Because I understand her. She's two. She's two. And I understand these things happen at two. But it would take offense. I think we all want to be understood uh, as well. I think that's one of the deepest needs that we have. When you know, we live our lives, we are looking for someone that understands us. That's why many of us choose someone to marry, because we find someone that we just feel has a deeper understanding. And out of that comes appreciation, and out of that comes love, deeper understanding of who we are. And we all want that. We, you know, it's, it's difficult to understand someone else. You know, it's, it, it takes time. It takes some work. It takes putting aside our assumptions and digging to find out the truth. It's always easier to not take the time to understand somebody. It's always easier to not put in the work to understand someone else. It's always easier to just use assumptions into finding out, instead of finding out what the truth is. Uh, I have a lot of conversations that are cut off, you know, maybe I'm telling something and, and assumptions are always in play because you get cut off. You ever get cut off mid-sentence and somebody kind of takes over what you're going to say? Okay, don't look around at anybody right now, just, just keep looking here, okay? Yeah, sometimes you just get cut off mid-sentence because they assume they know what you're going to say and they try to complete your thought and often it goes in an entirely different direction than what you were going to what you had intended to say and uh and, and instead of finding out and waiting and listening for what you are going to say they assume they know and they can cut you off and and uh, it makes communication difficult so you know, prejudice, judgmentalism, all are results of not investing the time or the work or dropping our assumptions to really understand someone 
else. One of the reasons why heaven will be heaven, and uh, you know we have some brief descriptions of heaven uh, in, in, in the Bible. You know, we think about streets of gold and gates of pearl and mansions and, and all of that. But I think beyond all of that, why will heaven be heaven? I think one of the great reasons, probably never had this thought, but let me suggest it to you, is that when we get to heaven, we will be completely understood. What would that feel like? Be completely understood. Nobody will misunderstand you. Anybody have to deal with misunderstandings? Yeah. Yeah. It's awkward and it's offending and misunderstandings. Well, they, you misunderstand what I said. You know, you misunderstand my intentions. When we get to heaven, we will be completely understood like we have never been understood uh, before. Paul concludes the love chapter, kind of what we've titled, people refer to 1 Corinthians 13, uh, verses 11 through 13, and read this with, with this in mind about being completely understood, all right? 1 Corinthians 13, 11, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. Oh, oh I understood as a child. What, what, what does that mean, to understand as a child? Well, I think child, ch- children, child's, children uh, understand things in simplistic terms, right? And, and it's incomplete. It's an incomplete understanding. So Paul is saying this, I understood as a child understands things. I thought as a child, but when I became a man, when I became mature, I put away childish things. Now, verse 12, this is really key here. For now we see in a mirror dimly, or what's, what, that's figurative language, of course. He is saying, for now, our understanding is incomplete. Okay? You know, it's like looking in a mirror that's dim. We can't see everything. So, taking the context here of understanding and thinking, for now we see in a mirror dimly, or we understand in an incomplete way. But then, when is then? When we're with him, okay? But then, face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know, here's here's the punchline, I shall know just as I also am known. Isn't that powerful? When I get to heaven, I'm going to know you in in a more complete understanding as you know me. And it's going to change. It's going to change our whole existence. So here's a point I want to make is understanding opens the door to love. If we will take the time to understand one another, and it takes time. I, you can't, we don't just have this automatic understanding. We, we think we do sometimes, but it's based on assumptions. If we haven't taken the time or the work to understand somebody, we, we just base a relationship on assumptions. And assumptions are not always right. And so if we will take the time to gain understanding, it will open the door to love. Uh, let, me, let me use a non-relationship way to explain this. All of my, all of my grade school, uh, you know, from kindergarten to finishing high school, I, I was not good at math. I got bare, you know, you know, passing grades, but 
I kind of was afraid of math. I, I didn't understand it, you know, and, uh, and geometry was the worst. <laughs> I did not understand all the theorems and all of the, you know, rules and all of that stuff. I don't know why, but I just didn't like it. And because I didn't understand it, I feared it. I did not want to go to math class, all right, because I didn't understand it. I, however, when I went to college, I thought, you know what, I've, I've got to get over this. I've got to get over my fear of math. And so I retook all of my, starting with algebra, took all my classes over. And you know what? I got straight A's. Surprised me. Probably surprised the teachers, I don't know. But uh, what was the difference? What was, uh, well, part of it, I think I, I finally had teachers that would explain it well. But what was, the, what was the difference? Is because all of a sudden, with intentionality and a little more work, I understood the process. And you know what it did? It took away my fear of math. One of the great courses I took, math courses I took, was probability and statistics. And there were times that I'd go, you know, church, and I was a custodian at the church, and and uh, we'd have, back in those days, we had big chalkboards. Remember the chalkboards? <laughs> we had chalkboards. And uh, I remember I would just, for fun, I would calculate prob the probability and statistics of, of certain things. And why? Because it was just fun. I loved it. I loved math. Why? Because I understood it for the first time. And when I understood it, it worked for me. And when I understood it, it was awesome. It was fun. And it changed my whole thinking and my relationship with mathematics. Now, we can apply this same principle to relationships. Okay? Understanding brings clarity. Why do you do that? I don't understand you. Why do you do that? Well, we find out and we'd understand why different people do different things. It would change our relationship. And it would, it would diminish the fear that we have. When there's anger, it is based on a, on a fear. Why are you angry? What are you afraid of? Uh, if we can seek to understand, it opens the door to love and it casts out fear. Um, so my point is understanding opens the door to love. When I understood math, I all of a sudden loved math. Where I hated math, I now love math. All right, my next point. I've got to wrap this up quickly here. Love then, if understanding opens the door to love, love then opens the door to understanding. Okay, let me explain this. Uh, I watched a, a video of a man who was a trapper. And he was trapping uh, for his living. And he had in his trap an animal that he was not targeting, okay? So there was a certain kind of animal he was targeting, another kind of animal uh, with claws and teeth was caught in one of his traps. How many would be afraid in that situation? Okay, it's like, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to get anywhere close to that, right? And so this trapper, loving animals, loved animals, uh, wanted to release this animal unharmed, okay? But 
if he approached the animal, what did the animal do? Right? You know, lash out and would hurt and injure him because you don't understand the situation he was in. You don't understand the man's intention to release him. You know, it's like, hey, if you just settle down for a minute, I would let you out of the trap and let you go. But the animal didn't understand that, so he was afraid. Anger. But because the, the trapper loved the animal, he found a way to get close to that animal and release it from the trap. And the animal scampered away. Now, that's where when love opens the door to understanding. Sometimes we love first. And we may not understand, but because we love, we find a way. Sometimes we may not feel love, but understanding leads us that direction. So sometimes we start with just trying to understand. Tell me more. Help me understand. Those kinds of questions. And sometimes God just gives us love for someone we don't understand, but love opens the door to our understanding. It's like, I love this person. I don't know why they do that, but Love is the motivation now to try to understand. I think one of the reasons why we have such division in America at the moment is because we do not understand one another. And maybe the truth is that we don't want to understand one another. But without understanding, there is no trust and there is no love, and it it goes for both sides. It's hard to embrace the things that Jesus tells us to do sometimes. Matthew 5, 43 Again, this is an answer. We may not like the answer, but this is an answer to a problem, and Scripture's providing this for us. So Matthew 5, Jesus said, verse 43, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. How many are good with that? I'm good with that. Not really, but I I know the answer is better than that. But that's the way I naturally feel. That's the way I naturally think. You shall love your neighbor... And hate your enemy. Yeah, I'll sign on to that. But this is what Jesus says. But this is what I say to you. Love your enemies. What? (laughs) Like I said, sometimes the answer is found in Scripture, but we don't like the answer. Love your enemies and bless those who curse you. What? Do good to those who hate you. (laughs) No. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. How, how, how do we even get there? That you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. In other words, we are all subject to the same brokenness in this world. And I don't know about you, but deep down and inside, I don't want to operate that way most of the time. That's not my natural default to people who hate me. People who hate me, I just love you. (laughs) Don't often feel that way. I feel a little threatened. Why do I feel a little threatened? Because I don't understand them. Why would you not love this? Come on. I don't have the natural inclination to love those who hate me. Naturally, I want to hate those who hate me, and I want to return spite for spite. But Jesus is only revealing to us how he loved us. 
Before we knew him, he loved us. Maybe we even felt like we hated him, and yet he loved us. I'm convinced that when we don't think the gospel works for us, it isn't because the gospel only works for some people and not for others, or that it uh, isn't life transformational. It's because we refuse to embrace it fully. We don't like the answer, and so we want to do something else instead. We want to substitute. And that's not the way the gospel works. If we want the gospel to work for us, we have to embrace it and live it the way it is given to us. We only want to do the things that we are comfortable with, the things that we maybe do understand. And that's why we don't see the power of the gospel more completely in our lives. But yet in spite of that, Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 says this, but God demonstrates his own love toward us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that transformational? God is demonstrating the very thing he's asking us to demonstrate. Love before all else. And while we were still sinners, while we were still in enmity, that's a, that's a great word out of, out of the Bible, while there's still enmity, intense hatred that existed between us, he loved us and died for our sin. He died in our place before we ever loved him. What, what enabled him to do that? Because he understands us. Before we ever knew him, he chose to die on the cross for our sin because he understood our need. You, no doubt, can quote John 3.16. And I'm going to have you do that with me. It will be on the screen, so I will, I'll be on the same sheet of music here with versions and all that if you'll read that. John 3.16, quote it with me, would you? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Sometimes understanding opens the door to love. Things we didn't understand that we didn't like, we have understanding, it opens the door to love. Sometimes love opens the door to understanding. Because I love you, I'm going to put in the work and the time and try to unload my assumptions so that I know the truth. And I won't have to assume. When in marriage there's conflict, when, when there's conflict and anger in marriage, it is usually because we don't understand each other. We love each other, but we can't stand each other. I'm not going to ask for any show of hands. All right. Um, if we would affirm our love and seek to understand the other, we could work our conflicts out in a positive way. It takes the time and it takes the work in dropping our assumptions. Love will allow you to understand, and understand this, is that we all want to be understood. We want our motives to be understood. We want our words to be understood, what we mean. And the more understood that we feel, the greater trust, the greater love that we experience with our lives. And when we love Jesus more than anything, we overcome all fear. Go back to our opening text, 1 John 4:18. There is no fear in love. Isn't that amazing? You would think there would be no fear in courage. 
There'd be no fear in bravery, no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. So as we're being perfected with love for one another, with people we don't understand, the more that we move towards love, the more fear is gonna diminish. He who fears has not been made perfect in love. So as we bring this to a close this morning, I want you to think, is there a conflict in your life somewhere? It can be with a, somebody who's not connected to us in family relationships. It might be a coworker, it might be just somebody. There's conflict there. Maybe it is a relationship. Maybe it's a son or daughter or a wife or a husband or somebody near to us. And there's conflict there. If you would pray this prayer with me today, and there's nothing magic about this, it's gonna take time, it's gonna take work, and you'll have to identify and drop your assumptions. But if you will seek understanding, it will lead you to love. And if you already love them, that love will motivate you to understand them. And the more understanding that we can bring, the greater love we're gonna experience. So would you stand? And if there is a relationship that you want to see healing in, does not matter what the connection is, would you just raise your hand towards heaven today to say, Jesus, that's me. I want, to, I want this conflict to be done. Jesus, as we stand here with our hand held up, Lord, it's just identification. Lord, there's, there's a conflict in our life and we don't understand. Why? We don't understand why they are angry or why they are offended or why the conflict exists in the first place. Lord, maybe our love for them already exists. Lord, I pray that that love would be the motivation to seek to understand them. And Lord, bring understanding. Lord, if we will put in the time if we will put in the work, if we will drop our assumptions, Lord, let it open the way, open the means, Lord, to love them even greater. And so, Lord, we pray as well, Lord, in our own lives, if, if maybe there are people that we don't naturally want to love, maybe in some way we view them as enemies, help us, Lord, to understand them. And let that, Lord, bring us to the place where we love them. So Father, guide us by your Holy Spirit. Lord, let our motivation be prompted by what we read in scripture. Lord, let the answer, maybe the answer we aren't all that excited about, but Lord, let it lead us to the truth. And Lord, begin to change conflicts, misunderstanding, offenses. Help us, Lord, to find that understanding through Christ who understands us completely, Lord. And we look forward to the day in heaven, Lord, where we will experience knowing as we are known completely. And Lord, we look forward to that day. And we pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.